Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Receive an incoming transmission. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Radical Christian! What's up, Radical Christians? Welcome back to our thrilling conclusion of our Principalities and Powers series. As always, it is a tremendous blessing to be here with you guys. I have my super expensive Dollar Tree sunglasses, and I'm ready to go. So this week, we're continuing where we left off. Let's get into the episode layout and kick this off right away. But before we kick this off, let's do a quick moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you bless this broadcast, you remove all error from it, and you use this to further your kingdom and for nothing else. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get into our episode layout. Last week we covered the origin of the beings from Ephesians 6.12. We covered who they were, we covered their ranks, and then we went over examples of Baal, Apollo, and Artemis. Now let's get into this week's episode layout. Our first area is their dark hierarchy, their infrastructure. Our second area is their authority. In that area, we have four subtopics. We have what is authority, the authority of principalities, the authority of Jesus, and our authority. Our third section is the battle plan. Our two subsections are engaging the enemy and influence and power. Our fourth section is an example to tie it all together, and that example is Michael versus the Prince of Persia. And our fifth section will be why this matters. So let's get right into it. I pray that this blesses all of us. This deepens our understanding because as you will see at the very end of this episode, there is a very important reason why this information is needs to be put out there. Now for our paid content this week, we will be going over another section from the old warrior priest mindset. Look at that. Look at that. Now I will be reading a section called War is Upon Us. If you have the book, it's on page 126. If you don't have the book, well, you're in for a treat. Because you could just go buy it. I guess that's the treat. But that will be for our paid content. And I'll give commentary on that. We'll get into that at the end of the episode. Now let's get into section one. The dark hierarchy. The chain of command. So it's important when we're getting into this stuff that you realize that it is not completely vital to have full definitions for what all of these beings are. How all of their stuff works. Every name. Every territory they cover. That is not completely vital. It is beneficial But let's say you just had the bare minimum. You just used your authority in Christ and you expelled demons. Hey, that's 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 not a bad place to to be resting in. So all of this isn't because you need to know all this to move forward in spiritual warfare or to move forward in your walk with God. But it does help. It does benefit you. I just don't want you to think that without knowing everything that you that you can't fight, which is actually untrue. You don't need to know every detail. You just need to know the basics. Now, we're going to get into their hierarchy, the hierarchy of the kingdom of darkness. Now, this is not set in stone. This is what we have looked at through research and we're all trying to put together. Now, I've compiled several sources along with other, other stuff that, that I've known. And here's the infrastructure we've come up with. Now, another, another thing to note is that a lot of times what people say is that 
whatever principality, whatever prince is over an area or whatever cosmic creator or power is over an area, whatever sin or or spiritual crime they're associated with, usually that bleeds through into how it, it plays out into our realm. So let's say, let's say there's a, a ruler of darkness over Las Vegas. There would be a being that glorifies maybe prostitution, gambling, uh, organized crime, and their influence in the area pushes those sins further and those crimes further. So just like in the old days, when you would have like a, a goddess like Aphrodite ruling over your area, there would be sexual sin all throughout there. There would be Kedashim, which is cult prostitutes, because of the influence of that sexual deity. That deity favored its sexual traits, and then it bled through into the human realm. So now, we're gonna, this is going to be review for last week, but, but it's good to get a refresher course, and let's get into the hierarchy. Okay, so at the top, you have Lucifer slash Satan. Some people believe those are two different beings. I believe they're the same being, but we both know who we're talking about. We're talking about the divine rebel, the fallen cherub, the main adversary. That's not to say that he's the only adversary. That's just to say that he's the main one, singled out a lot of times in, in scriptures. So he's in control over this earth, this whole earth. This is his realm for the time being. He is the prince and power of the air, and his principality, his area, is this whole earth. Now he's trying to mirror Yahweh and be the top dog, but he can't be past Yahweh, so he's the second top dog over creation, but over the, the realm of darkness, he is number one. Next you have principalities. Principalities are the generals, usually, over the over a specific larger region. Usually it's it's more than just a small country. It's it's like when you think of the Prince of Persia, the Persian kingdom was huge and it spanned many countries. Now they give orders to the powers and those below them. Now these princes have human princes under them. So they control a principality. They're called a prince and they have human princes that they influence. So they're in, they're in, in charge of spreading their little gross tentacles into all the areas of influence that they can. And we're gonna see in a little bit how they get their power. And next we have powers. These are the exousia. So powers are in charge of a smaller region than the principalities. They are just under them. They are like the officers. They take orders from the princes and they give orders to the cosmocrators, the rulers of darkness. Now up next we have the rulers of darkness. Now these guys are likely the ones in control over smaller countries and basically a step down. As you get a step down, the region they control likely gets smaller. Now these rulers of darkness will give their orders to the spiritual wickedness in high places. Now what we have likened those two in our last episode are the just basic demonic realm. So all the entities above spiritual wickedness in high places, it's thought that all those are fallen angels. This one bracket, there's a lot of research that says those are the, the regular demonic realm. Now these ones are the ones that possess people, possess animals. They're in charge over cities, even some in charge over households. The web goes that far. Remember, they're trying to counterfeit the omnipotence of God, the omnipresence of God. So they can't be everywhere all at once like God, but they do have a hive mind and they can put their forces as spread out as they can. It's a counterfeit omnipresence. So that's the hierarchy. It goes Lucifer, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now we're going to move on to section two, their authority. So like I said earlier, these guys are all on the same team. However, when Jesus was dealing with them, he didn't really differentiate between, you know, which one's a demon and which one's a fallen angel. What, what we saw him doing was dealing with demons. He didn't say a lot to them. He commanded them around and he cast them out. He didn't sit there and have elaborate conversations with them. He didn't tell his disciples from what we see. He didn't say these are fallen angels. These are this. These are that. There's some small clues he gives here and there. But the basic point is that 
But when it came to casting them out, it wasn't that complicated. Now, what is authority? Here's something very interesting. The word authority is the same word as powers. So exousias. So the, the power, the rank, the military rank of power is one of authority. Now, the same word is used. This, the same Greek word is used for authority. Now, authority is the power or right to give orders, to make decisions or to enforce obedience. Now, we see this in Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, that word foothold is topas. That is a, a foothold, an open door, an illegal right. Think about a, a gross little goblin scaling a castle wall to get to the inside. A foothold would be a stone that fell out and it created a hold, holding spot for their foot to climb up. So in your Christian walk, you have your castle wall. If you go to sleep without dealing with your anger, with your spouse, with your relatives, your parents, whoever, there is a piece of stone that falls out and it creates a foothold. Now that lets a demon latch onto you because it has a legal right to harass you further than what they could beforehand. So, so the Holy Spirit isn't just telling you to, you know, in your anger, do not sin just because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's better for you if you don't. It is better for you if you don't, but it's also way worse for you if you do not heed this warning. You think about letting the sun go down in your anger. Uh, there's actually scientific studies that it creates a protein in your, in your like anger that that's unresolved. And when you go to sleep, when you, when you ignore it, a protein is created and it kind of creates like a protein memory. I could be saying this all wrong, but this is from what I remember from back in the day, but it basically creates an actual physical protein in your brain that, that, that makes it hard to just forget. It stores it. The, the synapses fire to it easier and it, you've now created almost a habit or a pattern. You've created basically a quick recall bad memory. It's like when you go in to type in Google and you type in the first two letters and it, it autofills, you're basically typing an autofill anger or autofill bad attitude. So again, you, you don't give them a legal right. And, and with authority, that's how their kingdom works. God is a God of authority, a God of, of rules, legality. Now he's not a legalist. He's not all legalism, but he is a God of law and order. That's why he has a divine council. The divine council is a courtroom setting. He is the one who will judge us all. So he, all these motifs of a, of a righteous judge in a courtroom setting, the kingdom of darkness carry that over. And I don't think they, they necessarily want to carry this part over, but I think it is an overarching law of creation, this, this concept of authority. So if you give, you can give these beings authority to mess with you through sins and guess what else? Satanic rituals. Now that is one of the main purposes of satanic rituals, if not the main purpose. It's not only to worship these fallen deities, but it's to open a doorway, a gateway, a portal, and it's also to empower. So think of the spirit realm. You have these beings all huddling around somebody, okay? They are, they're limited in what they can do, limited by, by the laws God has put in place. Now, somebody sacrifices a child, they do something horrible, that sin in their life opened up a huge doorway, a huge foothold. Now, the, de the spiritual beings see this person who opened a, a foothold and they just rush in. Now they either empower or destroy or anything else that furthers their agenda. Whatever furthers their plan, they'll do. And they'll cast you away without even thinking twice. The, people will get all these powers and these, these abilities from these things. And then when they're no longer needed, they're just cast aside. They don't care about you. They want to kill you. Russ Dizar even said he was praying for somebody who, who had these powers from this, this new age being he was talking to. And when they were praying, Russ basically said, you know, reveal yourself. And, and it revealed himself as this gross demon. It told him its name. They didn't physically see it, but it was speaking. 
And then um, it told it, it, he, Russ is like, "What is your final goal with this person?" And, and it said, to, "We're going to kill him." Now, after that that session was done, Russ was talking to the guy, and he's like, "You need to renounce all this stuff, or or, or this being is going to have sway over your life still." And the guy was like, "No, like I don't want to give up the, these abilities I have." So he short-sightedly wanted to keep these real abilities because he valued that more than his soul. It's it's crazy. That's why when you're speaking to people, when you're speaking to Wiccans, um, Satanists. I remember I was in the bookstore and I saw a girl with like a, a pentagram and I said, hey, like, do you, do you practice like Wicca or anything like that? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm a witch. And, and, and I was like, do you know that those beings are actually like serious things and they'll, they'll straight up kill you? And she was kind of like, uh, and she got kind of like a little weirded out or she didn't know what she was at a loss for words. And then we just parted ways because I was just buying a book and I left. And um, I don't think she knew that. I don't think she ever thought twice about that because these people are seeing real power. They're experiencing real things. If you have an entity actually audibly speak to you and some Christian tells you that's not real, you're gonna be like, that Christian doesn't have the facts that I don't want what they have, that's that's not true, okay? Now, did you need to, do you need to address these things when you're, when you're going to witness to them? Not necessarily, but if you tell them something that's against what they actually felt, you could tell them that they're, they're counterfeit beings and they're evil and they, they, they're lying, but to tell them that they didn't hear it or that that's not real, that's going to push them away. So keep in mind, these are real things. Now, back to what I was saying, the satanic rituals open a greater doorway or foothold and it's about authority. They need authority to get in. Human actions can create that authority. Now, they will tempt and seduce or do anything they can to get that doorway open. Now, in Deuteronomy 32, where God disinherited the nations, we saw him giving authority to his sons to rule over the disinherited nation. So here's another example of authority. He, he basically said, I'm putting my sons in charge over you. What that means is I'm giving my sons authority to rule over you. Now, it is implied that when God did that, he wanted them to rule justly. Because when you look at Psalms 82, he says he condemns them for ruling unjustly so it, it's implied that he when he put his sons over them it was a test for them as well it was saying hey here's your authority use it as my imager as my son use it as i would you are supposed to be my son go act out what what you should as my son and instead they acted out their own will and they they abused their authority now the first human that we see in, in, the, in the biblical text uh not wanting to be under those deities authority anymore was abraham now, we know his father was an idol maker. He was raised with these gods and he switched loyalties from the sons of God to God. So he went from pagan to Christian. Now, that is, that is him switching allegiances, switching teams, switching authority. He was under the, the sons of God. Then he became under Yahweh. Now, in Romans 11, we actually see Jews switch their allegiance away from Yahweh, which in turn aids the Gentiles to being grafted in. So the Jews walked away from Yahweh. They said, we don't want to serve in the, on, uh, just you. We don't want to serve by your rules. We may serve you and Asherah. We may serve you and this, but we don't want to serve you this, or we don't or we don't want to serve just you, and we don't want to serve you just the way you want to be served. Okay, so they split away, and that opened the doorway for God saying, fine, you Jews don't want to be a part of this, then the Gentiles will be a part of this. And that's how he, he brought the Gentiles in. So this is all one big kingdom reference, like a knightly kingdom. Which king will you serve under? Just because you are born in the land and you serve under that king doesn't mean you have to go fight in that king's army. Doesn't mean you have to go serve that king. You can leave. You can defect from the kingdom of darkness and join the kingdom of light. And you will get the rewards and consequences of whatever kingdom you serve under. God respects authority. He puts the rulers in charge of nations, presidents, kings, all that stuff. He appoints them. So if he appoints a president that everyone hates and that is making all these laws against Christians, 
You know what he says that is? He says that's a judgment on them. When he appoints a good ruler who's banning abortion and doing all kinds of stuff to further Christianity, you know what he says? He says, this is a reward on you people. This is a blessing on you guys. You were, you, you obeyed me. You heeded my voice. I'll give you a good ruler. You disobeyed me. You want to live in wickedness. I'll give you a wicked ruler. Now here's the thing. You are still to serve that wicked ruler. You are still to respect God's authority. God put his stamp of authority on that, that ruler and you have to obey that, that ruler now. Because if you disobey him, what you are saying is, I don't agree with your authority, God. I, I'm, I'm ignoring your authority because I think I shouldn't have to serve under this guy. Now, the caveat we have there is if that being asks you to bow to an idol or not being, if that if that person, that king, that evil king asks you to bow to an idol like Daniel, you don't have to bow to that idol. You can then disobey that king. But if that king is saying, hey, I'm raising taxes to 80 percent of your income, it's it, it's not OK for you to just be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Of course, it's unjust and it's wrong, but the thing is, you are to obey the laws of the land. You are to respect law and order and authority because our Father respects law and order and authority. So let's get into the principality's authority, the authority that they have. Now here's a little fun fact, which is not fun at all. They still have this authority. Because when, when Jesus came, it's not like he abolished all that stuff, okay? What he did, and we're gonna get into that, he took authority for himself over all that but they still have authority. Remember Ephesians 6, 12, all the verses with these entities, it was written after Jesus. So these beings still hold authority. They do not, however, hold authority over Jesus, but we're gonna get into some verses uh, as to why me and many other believe that they still have authority. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, three through four. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. So this is a verse about the God of this age, Satan, blinding the eyes of those who don't believe. So this was written after Jesus, and this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. And it calls Satan the God of this age. Now that is a position of authority. He is, he is referred to as the God of this age. Now, Satan will retain this office until Jesus Christ personally removes him at the end days. And we see that in Revelation 12 when he's cast down with all of his fallen angels. The next verse we're going to look at, 1 Corinthians 15, 23-25. This demonstrates how Jesus will not put an end to these powers and authorities fully, these principalities and authorities, until his return to earth, until the return of the king. Oh yeah. So 1 Corinthians 15, 23-25. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all the rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. So this says that in a future tense, after Jesus is written, in a future tense it says, he will put an end to all rule and authority and power. So that means that it is not ended until he puts an end to it. And if he's putting an end to it at his second coming, then they are still in authority today. Now here's some, here's three other verses that, that demonstrate uh, this authority, this dark authority. And these are all in Revelation 13. So it's Revelation 13, 2, 5, and 7. Now it says, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So Satan gave this being authority. Now what's interesting is, Adam was given authority over this over this realm, over, over the earth, and Satan stole some of that authority in the garden. 
He got him to forfeit that authority. He got him to, to give him a foothold, a legal right to steal that authority. So right here, it shows Satan giving this beast authority. And this is in Revelation. This is in a future tense book. So verse number five, and he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So again, he was given authority. This is a, this is a evil being that we see being given authority in a future tense. Now, verse seven, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So he became the, pr the prince over a giant principality of all, every tribe, tongue, and nation. So this shows that Satan has great authority till the end of the age. Now he's going to give the Antichrist some of this authority and some of his power. Now the Antichrist will have uh, authority over, the, over this whole earthly realm for a time as well. And he will make war against us as believers and many believers will perish. So that is all future tense. And this shows that they still have authority. Now let's get into something beautiful. Jesus Christ authority. So when Jesus came to the earth, and also I recommend re reading Reversing Herman, it talks about Jesus. All right, so as I was recording right now, the recording just stopped two times. Now, is that spiritual wickedness working right now against this video? Uh, I don't know, because I think my storage on my iPhone was just full. So it may just be my own wickedness. Either way, they're not going to stop us. Drew's phone is not going to stop us. So let's get back into it. Like I said, I suggest reading Reversing Herman. It talks about Jesus' mission against these things. Now, when he came to earth, he took authority over all these principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, rulers of darkness on the cross at Calvary. So let's see Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So this talks about Yahweh raising Jesus from the dead, setting him at a seat of power right next to himself and giving him authority over all these beings in this world and the world to come. So does that mean that they don't have any authority? No, it means that Jesus' authority overrides all of them. Now, since Christ has been seated at the right hand of God and given authority to reign over all principalities, powers in both the spirit realm and earthly realm, what does that mean for us? So let's see 1 Peter 3.22. It's talking about Christ. It says, Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So that flat out says that angels, authorities and powers being made subject to him. So he is sitting on the right hand of Yahweh. All authority is given to him. Now let's look at Colossians 2.10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are seated with him in heavenly places. And if we believe this, then those principalities, powers, and all those other forces have no authority over us. Because if we are living out our, our walk with Christ, if we are living righteously and we are, we are believers and we are accepting his authority... We're accepting the Holy Spirit indwelling in us and that giving us our authority, okay? Then they do not outrank us. But if we are apart from God, if we are apart from the Holy Spirit, if we are apart from Jesus' name, they have dominion over us. We're, we're Satan's kingdom. We're in his kingdom, okay? Because if you are not allied with God, you are on the other side. There is no fence. There is no middle ground. And why do you think he hates lukewarmness? Because you're giving him a bad name and you're not even in the club, basically. So... The point of this part is to tell you that 
we are with him. He lives inside of us, right? So because he has authority, let's say this is the Holy Spirit. All He has all the authority over principalities and powers from all the verses we just read. He lives inside of us, okay? We now have some of that authority with us. We now have his authority with us, okay? But if you sin, you sever the connection to the authority. You still have the Holy Spirit, but if you sin... You, you open a doorway. You open a foothold. Now you have something else messing with you, okay? But it's important. That's why you don't go after fallen angels unless the Lord specifically tells you to, okay? You don't just go on your own because he hasn't given you that authority. You do what he has you do. That's why obedience, obedience is, is a huge thing with the Lord. So you don't go doing what your will, what you think. How many times have we gone down a path that we thought was what we're supposed to do and you realize, oh no, I was wrong and I wasted a lot of time. Luckily, God redeems the time that the locusts ate, but still, you got to have obedience. You got to be accepting that authority, walking in it, keeping your relationship with God on point, and then you can operate in that authority. Let's say you're a drunkard and you're trying to cast out a demon of drunkenness out of somebody. You have no authority. You have zero authority to cast out this demon because it has a legal right over you. It has authority over you through your drinking. So that is Jesus's authority. Now we're going to get into our next subsection, our authority. So keep in mind, like I mentioned before, we cannot defeat Satan, any demon, any fallen angel, anything in our own flesh. Humans are incredibly frail. We are bound to earth. We are bound to physicality. Physical flesh is weak. If I pinch myself hard enough right now, I will bruise. What if I pinched a spiritual being? Would they bruise? They, they aren't like us. We are made of dust. Okay. Maybe they're made of stardust. Who knows? Maybe they're atheists. Atheists seem to think they're made of stardust. God bless you, atheists. I, I truly hope you become saved. So only what Jesus did on the cross, his authority given to us as believers, as his children, only then can we battle against these things. And the demon realm, yes, but when it gets to the higher ranks, only when he allows it. Now, for those people that think that you shouldn't talk about Satan, you shouldn't talk about demons because it gives them power, that is dumb. That is dumb. When would you ever go to war and not discuss the enemy? Okay, let's say I'm your general and I'm like, okay, we're going to war. We're going to go attack the enemy on Tuesday. Bring your weapons and let's do this. And you're like, okay, what's the strategy? Like, well, what do we need to know about them? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't want to talk about them to give them more power. I don't want to build up their reputation. So let's just go there. So then you're like, uh, okay. So then you go and you bring a bunch of swords and then you find out this enemy you're going to fight, they could fly. Wouldn't it have been smarter for me to give you that detail and then you to think, oh, maybe I should bring a bow or something. But instead, I was worried about giving them power by talking about them, and then we lost out on the battle plan. Now, if you think that if you leave Satan alone, he will leave you alone, that's not exactly true. If you're on your way to hell, he's likely to leave you alone. Why rock the boat when he has you already going away from Yahweh? Why push you back towards him? When I started having a demonic attack happen to me, it pushed me right towards Yahweh. I don't know what they were thinking when they did that. Maybe God allowed that. But... Satan hates humanity. He's not going to respect like, oh, this person is is just fence riding, so let's just go easy on them. Not really. His goal is to kill you, to kill, still and destroy. So we already mentioned this, but this is the section about our authority. Where do we get our authority? It's from Jesus to command and order and expel demons. And if he wishes you to engage the more powerful ones, he'll tell you. But where he gives, we see him giving his disciples authority is in Luke 10, 18 through 20. Now we're going to break down this verse. It's a very interesting verse and it's very cool. So Luke 10, 18 through 20. 
And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's a beautiful, awesome verse. Now let's take it apart piece by piece. Our first fun fact, I saw Satan fall like a lightning bolt from heaven. What are Satan's other aliases? Baal Hadad, the storm god. Zeus, the storm god. Jupiter, the storm god. Thor, the Scandinavian storm god. And he fell like lightning from heaven? Hmm... Scratch the old beard for that one. Hmm. So let's now let's look at the next part. When it says I have given, in Greek that is the perfect tense. When he says I've given you given you authority, that is the perfect tense. So that means that Jesus gave the authority then, and it is a continuous perfect tense thing that is right now. It means right now. So I have given means right now. You have authority right now if you're a believer. Now our next part, to tread, authority to tread. To tread is to trample, crush, or expel by verbal command. Now you are to order, command, and expel these beings. Okay, you're not to converse and and get their lineages and hear them out. These are deceptive beings. If you sit there and say, "How did you get?" How, you can ask them, like you know, I, I've heard of people asking, "How did you get in here?" to, to try to find how, what their doorway was. But if you're like, like, who do you serve? What is your name? When were you born? Like you're opening the door to these beings that know humanity better than humanity knows humanity to just weave little little seductive deceptive things to kind of lead you down a path you think you're interrogating them but they're they're drawing you deeper and deeper deeper in and then snap they get you they get you to open a doorway and guess what communing with the dead that's necromancy so if you sit there having the holding conversation with them communicating with these dead spirits of the nephilim that's necromancy so stop just stop now the next part says over all the power of the enemy. Simply, this means all. God's authority is over all of these things. His authority in you is the same. And then the next part is, and nothing will harm you. Now if, if God wills for somebody to go through something, that's one thing. Um, this is in the context of them doing his mission. Now when you, are, when you are under God's protection and you are doing your mission, you have his Psalms 91 protection from these things, okay? Now it is my belief that you will not die before your time if you are doing God's will. If you are if you're doing God's will, you're seeking his face and you're doing your work, I don't think he will let you die before the time that he has appointed for you to die. That doesn't mean that he won't appoint for you to die in a way that looks like, oh, like he just or he got he got a, a sickness and just died, like a stomach flu and ended up dying from it. Like that's that's not God. That's not to say that. We don't know what he's gonna do and how he's gonna do it. We have clues about it, or we not we don't have clues. We have actual text about his character but his ways are so far above our ways here's a, here's a weird example but it's an example nonetheless when i let's say let's say my apartment's getting clean and i have my cats and i'm just like okay we got to take these cats out of the apartment leave them at a friend's house um they're just going to be in in like a, a small room they're not going to have their toys they're just going to be there while this apartment gets fumigated okay now for the in the cat's mind they live in their home. They're safe. Cats are very territorial. They like their little space, and they like they ha- like to have a space to run to for protection. Now, you take them out of that space and take them to the other house while your apartment gets fumigated or whatever. To them, they're just like, what's going on? Like, am I ever going to go home again? Like, are they ever going to come get me? Like, what's this place? I-, I think I can smell a dog somewhere. Like, oh, they're freaking out, okay? Now, our ways of what we're doing and why we're doing it are far above that animal's understanding. Now, that's a kind of dumb example, but that you get what I'm saying. So who's to say what he's, what God's going to do and how he's going to do it with us? 
But I believe if you are doing his will, walking out his call, his call over your life, then you're not going to die before your time. Along with this authority and protection comes a mission. Now the mission is ministry. So why, why is he protecting you? Just just so you could live your life? You're not supposed to love your life unto death. He's, he's, he's preserving your life so you could walk out his will. Now his will is for people to be saved, for the oppressed to be delivered, for the poor to be fed, all that kind of stuff, all that important core biblical things. That's what your mission is. So this authority comes with a mission. He wouldn't give you a sword if he didn't expect you to do something with it. Exactly. Hence the Bible called the sword of the spirit. He wouldn't just give you the Bible if he didn't mean for you to read it. So we are to destroy the works of darkness, deliver the oppressed, and win souls for his kingdom. Now, like we mentioned earlier, we're going to look at uh, about being seated with Christ. This is Ephesians 2.6. It says, And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here's a proof that we are raised up and set in heavenly places with him. And the verse that talks about Christ be- being set in heavenly places talks about him getting full authority. Now, this is why we're struggling against these beings. This is why Ephesians 6.12 is telling us to watch out for these beings. Because they still have authority, and so do we. That's why there is a war. That's why there is a conflict. You have two opposing kingdoms. Okay, you are the kingdom of light. They are the kingdom of dark. They're in, they occupy the same space pretty much as separate realms, but the same existence. So there is a war of authority. This person lowers their authority through sin. This dark side's authority increases through footholds and doorways. It's ups and downs all over. This, this deity is worshipped in this region. It has more sway over there. Yahweh is worshipped over here. This has more sway of, of Yahweh in this area. Keep all this in mind. This is the spiritual war. Okay? And spiritual warfare is not just casting out demons. And we're going to get into that in our next section, the battle plan. So let's get into the battle plan. First of all, engaging the enemy. By now, you should understand that your battle is not against flesh and blood, which means humanity, which means other people. That's why you're to pray for your enemies, because in reality, the human in front of you is not your actual enemy, the force behind them, the sin in them, maybe, but not them. So you have to identify that your, your opponent is a spiritual opponent. Now, that being said, can't stress it enough, don't go recklessly involving yourself and looking for trouble, spiritual trouble, where you're not called to be. Now, and keep in mind, these beings are allowed by the Lord to operate. He allows these principalities to still have their power. This tests humanity and it tests his sons. So he, he has it all under wraps. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he gives them, he lets them have their authority for now. Now, when it says you wrestle not against flesh and blood, this wrestling is when, is when you, you're calling men to repentance. You're submitting to Christ and you're walking in the kingdom. You're wearing the full armor of God. That's the wrestling. That's your wrestling. That's your fighting. Now, how did Michael, a powerful archangel, act when he was dealing with Satan? It says that he wouldn't even send an insult or railing accusation against the enemy. Instead, he said, the Lord rebuke you. So if this insanely powerful archangel didn't go around insulting and talking flippantly and carelessly about these beings, if he didn't do that, then neither should we. Now, that verse is in Jude 1, 8 through 9, and it says, Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. Reject authority. See, God does not like when you reject authority. Reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So now we're going to get into a little story about what happens when you step outside of your authority. Now this story comes from this DVD. This is L.A. Marzulli's On the Trail of the Nephilim, Voices from the Other Side, Secrets of the Supernatural. 
This DVD is amazing. I have all three of them and I watched this one. And thank you to Alex from the True Legends Conference who helped me get these. You're awesome. But these, this one in particular talks about a story with Henry Groover. So Henry Groover was a prayer walker. He walked around, he prayed over things, taking back areas for God. And he said that wherever he went, if he had a song in his heart from God, then that's how he knew he was supposed to be there. Now he went to this, he went to the Ohio Serpent Mounds, which is where the conference is in March, Nephilim Mounds, and we'll talk about that right after. But basically, I'm gonna give you the very short cliff notes. He went, he was, it was snowing, he was rebuking all night, he was calling, he said, oh, I undo stuff from generations back from the very first sin cast on this serpent mound. And he's doing all the spiritual warfare, which is what he would do any other place. But he didn't have authority there. He wasn't told by God to go there. He just kind of thought he was supposed to go and he went. Now, as he was walking away, he felt something just boom, hit him right in the stomach. He fell, just collapsed over and he could not get up. Now he was an older gentleman even at that time. And, and he's gone to be with the father now. So that's awesome for him. And I think his wife recently went too. So that's that's awesome for them that they, they completed their walk, um, their walk on this earth. But basically he, he, well, he couldn't get up and then he was freezing to death. He was literally freezing to death on the ground. And after a while he's calling out to God, like, please, like this gives you no glory for me to die here. And God basically tells him, you did not have the authority to come here. You're spiritually weak from all the stuff you've been doing. You were not ready and strong enough to come here and battle against what's on this serpent mount, which is where we're going. So pray for us. And if you go pray too, but basically he almost died. He finally went to his car. He, he, he like had this bear, this uh, beaver skin blanket and he like warmed up, but that he, and he even said, this is when I didn't have the authority. That was the problem. So that's, you don't want to get messed. You don't want to be some, you think you're some big hero when you're not realizing uh, no, God did not tell you to do that. You are nothing without God. But now let's talk about this DVD. This DVD is being given by L.A. Marzulli for free when you use the promo code SUPERNATURAL and when you buy your tickets to the Nephilim Mounds Conference. So that's coming up March 27th through the 29th. It's, it's in Newark, Ohio. It is $89. So with the ticket, you get the three days of the conference. You get a workbook. All of us speakers. It's me, Russ Dizdar, L.A. Marzulli, Joseph Riverwind. Okay. All of us are making a workbook filled with workbook pages for our, our presentations. So when you go there, you fill them out. And just the act of you writing and filling them out, it, it helps you retain the information. And you could have notes. So you get to take home a workbook that you fill out there. And it comes with a field trip to the Nephilim Mounds, to the Serpent Mountain in Ohio, I believe, or the Circle Mounds. Um, I think they're generally in the same area, but we're going to the Nephilim Mounds. So you're going to these sites where they did rituals, where there's an altar at the top of them. Where they would do, where they would bury these things, where, where huge skeletons have been found. It's just, man, we need a lot of prayer. And there's a lot of weird supernatural stuff that's happened there. People seeing holes in the ground that open up and it's just a bottomless pit and then it goes away. And then people have seen just a bunch of ghost wolves all over the, the, the ground out there. And it's just, man, this is the real deal. So come to the conference. It's going to be amazing. It's going to, I have full confidence God is going to do something great there. And I can't wait. And I can't wait to see you guys there. So, Please go buy your tickets now, nephilimagain.com. That's the website, nephilimagain.com. So now we're gonna get into influence and power. So step one is realizing your flesh is internal and that's what you need to deal with. You need to deal with your old man, your sinful nature, which is internal. Then you could deal with these entities that are external. So step one, internal. Step two, acquire the right target, not people, okay? the demonic realm, and then not the angelic realm. You will go against, you will you will attack them indirectly, and we're gonna get into that. And then number three, you weaken their influence. Now, how, now this, is, this is actually what I mean by indirectly. 
you weaken their influence by spreading the gospel and praying for godly leaders coming against abortion in your town those things lower their influence so how does influence work basically when a high spiritual being is ruling over an area when all the people in that area are worshiping them they become stronger their their grip over that area becomes stronger their influence becomes stronger so the more popular they are the stronger they have the stronger sway they have an authority over that area because of all the doorways and authority opened up to them now who knows they may actually get more powerful just just by by the fact of them getting more influence but if you look at it from a practical standpoint the sins that open the door like like Aphrodite being in charge of a region and then having temples to Aphrodite where you worship through sex and then a bunch of people going having sex with prostitutes and then committing abortions the the prostitutes committing abortions so they could have more so they could, so they could stay prostitutes and keep going with their work so that is opens a insane doorway and and portal and authority for all these horrible spiritual beings so how do you close that how do you how do you stop their authority you spread the gospel you will you indirectly fight principalities and powers by spreading the gospel spreading the good news of christ when people hear the good news of yahweh they now have a choice where they can stop giving influence to those beings stop worshiping them stop doing those sins that that glorify those beings and push their reign further so this is the battle plan spreading the gospel i know crazy huh the one thing we're told to do the main thing we're told to do and and it's just it happens to be this the key to this huge power structure so you can go out like the the group created equal you can go out and and protest against abortion clinics and all that stuff that's a direct way to lower their influence okay how else spreading the gospel obviously letting people know so then they can stop serving these entities voting people into power who can change things if you can't change things in your city if you're limited other people can and you could get them up and going you could you could build them up you could pray for them you can get these spiritual leaders these good godly men and women to go tear down their kingdom and you played your part giving somebody a boost up a wall is a much needed part so winning souls weakens their grasp it weakens their power in an area uh, we even see Satan trying to tempt Jesus by by giving him. He's saying, "I'll give you reign over all the, all this section of the world, this area, all of these these principalities, basically." And these beings will fight back to try to keep their spot. They're going to come against you if they see you protesting. They're going to use someone who's influence who they have enough influence in, maybe even uh, possessed, to go strike you, to go fight you, to go hit you, to go do whatever. So then it becomes up to you know God's protection, their oppression. There's a war. That's what the war is. So beginner spiritual warfare kicks out the demons. Advanced spiritual warfare is spreading the gospel. The more you spread the gospel, that's actually an advanced level. You think it's down here? It's actually way up here. So influence is key. So now, our, our, our second to last section: Michael the Archangel versus the Prince of Persia. Now we're going to go over this example because it has a lot of everything we talked about all packed into this section. So. All the stuff we've learned, we now get to see an, an actual example of. Okay, so this is Daniel ten thirteen. It says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. And this is an angel talking. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me in twenty days. Now this is this is an angel. Some people think it's Gabriel, some people think it's angel of the Lord. Uh, from what I've seen so far, I believe it was Gabriel. But this is what it says. He's speaking to Daniel, and it says, And Daniel was praying. 
making requests of God, and then this angel showed up eventually. And he says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So this angel was delayed three weeks. Now, while he was delayed, Daniel was in fervent prayer. He kept praying and petitioning God. Now, God's answers were sent out the second Daniel started praying, but he was delayed. Why? Because there's a spiritual war going on in heaven. Now, right here, when it says chief princes, that's archangel. Now, what is the archangel? That is the holy, good name of a prince, a principality. So they're both chief princes. But when it's when it's good, it's like this, it's an archangel. So that is a class that, that we now know that is revealed. It's basically a heavenly prince, an archangel. So there we go. We discovered what an archangel is. And we know that because this angel was, was withstood for three weeks, this good angel, that no man can withstand an angel. We know that one angel killed 185,000 people in the Old Testament. But this shows that the prince of Persia was not a human prince that was being referred to, but a, a spiritual prince. Now in 2 Chronicles 32, 21, in the days of Hezekiah, we read, And the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So there's the angel that just came and just wiped out a bunch of people. This is just to further show you that a man cannot withstand an angel. So the prince of Persia was a, you know, a fallen entity which had authority over the kingdom of Persia, the Persian Empire. Now let's look at Michael. Michael is the archangel or the chief prince over Israel. He is the his principality is all of Israel. So when we see the angel that spoke to Daniel doing battle in the heavenlies, it was an even match. He was being withstood. So the prince of Persia and this being, which was likely Gabriel, we'll just say for the sake of discussion, it was an even match. Then the reinforcements came. Michael showed up, who was one of the chief princes. And this is the first time he's mentioned in scripture. So he showed up and they overpowered the prince of Persia and then he got through to, to deliver the answer to Daniel. So according to the book of Jude, Michael is an archangel. And we learn from Jude 1.9 that he disputed with the devil himself over the body of Moses. And in Revelation 12, that he and his angels waged war against the devil and his angels in the tribulation period. So this guy is a hero. This guy is a, a, a warrior to the fullest. He is an archangel. And I would say he's a warrior priest because he is in God's presence or likely very, very often throughout his day. But he is like a boom. So when we talk about principalities of the heavy hitters, he is the heavenly heavy hitters. That's awesome. That's rad. Now, archangel is the combination of two Greek words, arco and angelos. And when it's combined, it means chief angel or ruler of angels. Sometimes it's called chief prince. So chief, which is mean, it means first, basically head angel messenger. So he's like the head messenger, the chief among messengers the ruler of messengers, the ruler of angels. So Archangelos. Now that word, the archangel is not found in the Old Testament, but only in the New Testament. Now in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, archangel is also mentioned. And then again in Jude 1.9, which we read. And this is only men mentioning the singular form, archangel. It doesn't say archangels, but it's it's fair to assume that there would be more. And, and the, uh, another reason for that is that Daniel calls him one of the chief princes. So here's some clues that we could find. There's probably multiple archangels, which is super rad to think of. Because just imagine all these crazy heavenly heroes with all their their lives that have been going on since before creation. Just imagine the stories of just glorious battles that they've won for Yahweh. I, that's awesome. 
Now we're gonna look at the Prince of Greece. This is Daniel 10, 20 through 21. So the angel said to the, the angel speaking to the prophet Daniel, and he says, do you know why I've come to you? And now I will return to fight with the Prince of Persia. And when I have gone, behold, the Prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the writings of truth or of the book of truth. There is no one who holds with me and strengthens himself against these except Michael, your prince. So he says, Michael, your prince. He's a prince over Israel. So he's, when he says, there is no one who holds with me and strengthens himself against these, he's talking about the hostile spiritual forces. So he's saying basically no one's going to stand up against these things and actually defeat them except for Michael, who is your prince. Now, he, now Michael would rule, be ruling justly. So he's given authority by Yahweh and he's the prince over Israel, but he's ruling justly. He points back to Yahweh. So now, if you look at history, after the Persian Empire was the Grecian Empire, the Greek Empire. So when he says, after the Prince of Persia will come the Prince of Greece, it's like, man, there, there's a couple options here. There was just another entity named the Prince of Greece who was around the same time, or the way more likely scenario, they knew the plan that, that the Greek Empire was to flourish right after the, the Persian one. So it's either they knew or they could see into the future a little bit. They could see time differently than we can. So either they knew the plan or they could see the plan. So he's telling him after the Prince of Persia will come the Prince of Greece. So this shows these, these, these hidden forces all working behind the scenes. And we're sitting here worried about traffic. That's dumb. Look at all this crazy stuff going on. Now here, that, that, that was our little section. We got a, ta a little taste of a bunch of different things in that, in that uh, Michael versus Prince of Persia. But here's the real kick in the teeth. Ancient Persia is modern day Iran. And look what's happening in the world today. So this stuff is around today. So I'll let you think about that what you will and mull that over. But ancient Persia is modern Iran. So that's crazy. Now our fifth and final section, why this matters. So number one, why this matters is because we need to realize that we can weaken their influence over areas, the influence of these dark princes, by spreading the gospel and winning souls for the kingdom. I don't need to tell you how important that is, you know. Number two, I touched on this last episode and I'm going to touch on it again. This whole channel is based off stuff that I feel excited about in the Bible, okay? When you feel excitement about something in the Bible, go research it. God could have put that on your heart. He could have something, he, a seed he plants it into you that he wants you to do. Go follow that trail. If if lion like mid of Moab, if that verse always stuck out to you and it's really interesting and you're like, oh, I want to research that, but I should be researching all this other heavier biblical matters. You know, get salvation down. We understand that. Get salvation down. But who's to say when you go research lion mid of Moab, you're not going to see God's grace and God's beauty and God's majesty through the story of the lion like men of Moab and through your research there, through there. So let's say you research them, you research the, the pagans, what they believed around that time, and you see how the pagan deities acted with their people, and then you see how God acts with us. And then that glorifies him. So don't don't get stuck in what you feel like you should be doing. Get salvation down. You know, remember the mission we have, but whatever gets you excited, dive into. Don't fight about it. Have fun about it. Now, number three, the last reason why this matters is because all this stuff... Their agendas, the, these dark beings, their agendas and their influence is, is all happening today. Now, a couple weeks ago, a children's book was released in common stores like Walmart with instructions on how to summon demons. It's called a, a children's book of demons and the target age range is five to 10. So these rulers of darkness control culture. 
Okay, so they're putting out materials of how to summon demons and they're targeting the youth. So the battlefield going on right now, one of the major battlefields of these principalities and powers is in the minds of our youth. So look at the education system. Look at how there's drag queen story time in libraries targeting kids. Now there's a book of how to summon demons. What does that tell you? That they want people to learn how to summon demons. Why? Because they want to open portals, footholds, gateways into this realm for the final scene, the act, the final act. They want to open things up, get everybody letting them in, and they're ready. All their forces are geared and ready for the final attack on God. Now, if that wasn't enough, Disney has an upcoming cartoon that's already aired, but it's about a teenager who finds herself stuck in the demon realm and battles demonic forces alongside her rebellious witch friend and a little warrior person. Now, the main character, Luz, she pursues her dream of becoming a witch and serves as this, this rebellious witch's apprentice. Now, this show is called Owl House. Now... It, it was set to premiere January 10th on the Disney Channel, and this is what it does. It portrays witchcraft in a positive light. What they say is, oh, we use witchcraft, but we fight these demons. So they're saying they use demonic realms, demonic methods, demonic taught knowledge to fight demons, okay? A demon wins if you're using demonic knowledge, okay? You, you are not in Yahweh's camp if you are using demonic knowledge, demonic methods, demonic belief systems. You can't drink from the cup of demons in the cup of the Lord. So what the purpose of this is, the same with what the purpose of Harry Potter was, it is to portray witchcraft as a positive tool to fight evil or to just a positive, paint in a positive light. Now that is exactly what real life witches do. They want you to think, oh, there's white magic. There's white magic and black magic. And, and it's actually more in tune with nature and all this garbage. And it's all to make it appealing. The people doing it aren't necessarily thinking they have like such nefarious goals or intentions they may but some may not but the forces behind it do this is all orchestrated okay they want kids to to get an attachment to demonic and dark and witch stuff early so it's just ingrained in them they're desensitized to the danger of it and then they start to do it because they think it's all oh, it's fun we grew up with that book or blah 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 so this is all happening today again get excited about the bible so you could do work for the kingdom I love you guys. Thanks for being here. Now we're going to get into the paid content from this butte. Uh, war is upon us. And it's a blessing to serve you guys through these videos. Stay rad. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.